It's the Win Daily Podcast with Muntradamus. May the third be with you. Welcome to the Win Daily Podcast. I am your host, Muntradamus. Today, we are joined by the weatherman himself, Mark Paquette. Hey, how's it going today, Munt? How are you? I'm good. I'm glad you're able to help us today because we have a large slate and there are a lot of baseball games and people need to know how the weather is going to affect the games. Before we get into that, why should the people at home or driving in their car listen to you for their source of fantasy baseball weather? Well, I'm well known throughout the industry, been trusted for this is probably my fifth year doing fantasy baseball in combining the weather aspect with it. So I think I do a great job of letting people the trouble games to try to avoid in terms of rain better on the other side. A lot of times you'll see rain icons on DK, FanDuel, or even Yahoo, and people get scared off. I'm, I think I'm really good at telling people, don't worry about the icons. They're going to get this game in. And then last but not least, the weather factors. So we all know uh, how differently play if it's warm as compared to cold and i'm really good at letting people what parks are going to be good for hitters and then vice versa obviously well mark i gotta say already i'm feeling like you're a trustworthy source so a lot of people when they play daily fantasy baseball they really don't look at the weather if they don't see rain they don't see a problem. If they don't see a lot of wind, they don't see a problem. But tell us at home why even just the slightest bit of wind can really change a fantasy baseball game. It's, it's, I think it's a combination of wind. Then you're looking at temperature and dew point as well or weather factors that most people will overlook. Um, the simplest example is Coors Field. Coors Field is artificially has low air density because they're 5,000 feet above sea level uh, at the base of the Rockies there. However, at Fenway Park, which is at sea level, you can artificial you can influence the air density as well. And what you want is the lower air density, the better a ball will carry. So a batted ball that has very high air density may only travel 300 feet, but with low end air density, it's going to travel, say, 340 feet. And that could be the difference between a long fly ball and a home run. And the factors that you look into air density is temperature. You want it warm temperature and you want as much moisture in the air as possible. And then elevation, as we mentioned, but that doesn't change from day to day at any particular stadium. As you mentioned, wind can combined with those factors to help a ball really carry very well or poorly, depending on if it's blowing in or out. Generally, um, threshold for wind speed that I look at is 10 miles per hour. If anything less than that, it's really pretty negligible, not a big deal, but anything over 10 miles per hour, then it can start playing a, a role in a baseball game. Excellent information right there. I hope all of you at home are taking notes on that because that will definitely come in handy. When we come back, Mark and I will be go whipping around the infield talking about all the games of baseball. It's a ground ball to the third baseman who throws it to second, who throws it to first, triple play. 
All right, so this is Whip It Around the Infield with Mark Paquette today, and we're going to be talking about every single game on the slate, the weather and what to look out for. So let's just jump straight into it. The Washington Nationals are traveling traveling to the Philadelphia Phillies. Yeah, it's uh, they're playing at Citizens Bank Park, one of the best parks to hit in, um, and it should be a good night to hit as well. We get a light wind blowing out the center, but more importantly, it's warm and a little muggy, so it should be a great night for hitters, maybe not such a great night for pitchers. Helixson's fastball really has lost all its movement at this point of his career. With that being said, is there anything with the weather that can help a player like Bryce Harper really get that ball into the stands besides the wind in this matchup? Um, just that it's going to be fairly muggy. So if he does get the ball in the air, it should carry very well. Um, Citizens Bank is always one of the top home run hitting parks in all of baseball year after year. Right now, it's a lag in a little bit. It's down uh, at, uh, well, this is for runs scored. Let me look at home runs. Middle of the pack. Uh, but that's generally because it's been chilly in Philly in April. And as the weather warms up, which it is going to be tomorrow, we should see the balls start to carry a lot better. I like it. We're going to continue on to New York where the Minnesota Twins, Kyle Gibson on the mound against the Yankees with James Paxton. Yeah, one thing you look at Yankee Stadium, uh, Fenway Park and Wrigley Field, I've learned over the years is the wind. And um, it seems like those three parks, the wind plays the biggest influence. Tonight, not a strong wind, but it will be blowing in for right. And it's a little bit cooler than what is in Philly. So uh, a normal batter's ballpark, maybe slightly in the favor of the pitcher or neutral tonight at Yankee Stadium. You know, I know that Yankee Stadium basically hand-built that jet stream into right field where right. basically any lefty can smash one out. What about a right-handed batter? Someone like Nelson Cruz against Paxton. Is there any type of win or some sort of condition that can give Cruz that extra boost? Well, Cruz is a power hitter. He's a right-handed slugger, uh, likes to pull the ball, I believe. Left center and center is not good for right-handed power hitters at Yankee Stadium. It's not as dramatic as it used to be at old Yankee Stadium where it just used to be balls would just be hit 420 feet for fly ball outs. But as long if he can get a, a fastball in the outer corner of the plate and go with the pitch and take it to right field, he should be in good shape. I like it. I like that. All right. We are traveling now to Baltimore where the Tampa Bay Rays hottest pitcher in baseball, Tyler Glass now going up against the veteran and Dan Straley. Well, he may be the hottest pitcher in baseball, but he's going to be pitching in the best park for hitters tonight. Well, the second best because Coors is on the schedule. Baltimore's going to be warm, muggy, just like Philly. Uh, wind blowing out the left. Again, much like Philly's Citizens Bank, uh, Camden Yards is historically a haven for home run hitters. I would expect that trend to go tonight. I guess if the, you're a Baltimore hitter, the, the problem is you got to make contact against Glass now. Not a lot of people are doing that this year. Yeah, it's it's crazy with Glass now how his career, you know, he basically was the number one prospect with the Pirates. He really never panned out. Even in the minors, he was walking batters all over the place. Every time he had a moment with the Pirates, he would walk batters all over the place. And now he's an ace. So what do you think, Mark, has led to the transition of Tyler Glass now? Well, as you said, number one prospect or highly prospect, the, the, the talent was always there. We knew that. I, I 
uh, live in central Pennsylvania. I go to Pittsburgh games maybe once or twice a year. And a couple of years ago, he was honored as the minor league pitcher of the year. I believe this was 2015 or 2016. Anyways, Pirates are historic for trying to make mold pitchers in their uh, shape. You know what I mean? Maybe going to Tampa Bay, they allowed him just to be who he is. And maybe that's allowed him to blossom. Would you start glass now against the Orioles, despite the weather that you were just talking about? Yeah, I mean, once you start getting a pitcher on the upswing like glass now, I think at certain points, he, he becomes matchup and park proof. So if you like Glass now, I would have no hesitation in recommending him. How about a Chris Davis home run off of Glass now? That's, I know he's been doing well recently, but I, I wouldn't bet on that tonight. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's keep it going. We're in Pittsburgh now, where the Oakland Athletics have an interleague matchup. Brett Anderson on the mound against Joe Musgrove. Yeah, not looking good for batters tonight. I know uh, Anderson and Musgrove isn't the sexiest matchup, though Musgrove has been very good as long as well as the other Pittsburgh starting rotation. Um, being what that field is one of the hardest uh, fields to homer in at PNC as any park in all of Major League Baseball. So. In the, the weather conditions are going to fade that. It's cooler, it's drier than in the eastern part of the state. So this looks like a pitcher's matchup in my mind. I like that analysis. And I want to talk about one of the Oakland Athletics, Chris Davis in particular. You know, it's amazing how Oakland is not historically a home run ballpark yet. Chris Davis seems to get it done every single year with 40-plus home runs, potential home run champion every season. What about his game gives him that power potential? I think from what I've seen with him, he just sits dead cripple. He looks for mistake pitches, and when he gets them and when he's hot, he doesn't miss them. Unfortunately, recently he's been in the the, the unhot, the cold phase of his game, and sometimes he can run streaky like that. So I think if you're rostering Davis tonight, you're hoping that, that he's ending the nearing, he's ending his cold streak and about to begin his hot streak. I think, I think he had uh, within the first two weeks of the season, 10 home runs. I think he's only had a handful since then, maybe one or two. So let's hope if you're using them, that he begins that streak over. Yeah. I personally am going to wait until he faces a soft before I give him the love that he deserves. Let's go to Cleveland where the Mariners, one of the, well, we can say the hottest team, but at the same time, when they play a quality opponent, they seem to fall off. They're going to go to Cleveland and face Justice, sorry, Justin, Shane Bieber, Shane Bieber, pitching for the Indians. Where we, What should we expect in that matchup? Yeah, Seattle, as you mentioned, has been one of the best offenses in all of baseball. But the other thing, they strike out a lot. Bieber um, has pinpoint control, doesn't walk many batters, doesn't strike out a ton either, but he tries to limit the damage done on him. This is sort of a neutral ballpark tonight. It's relatively cool, but it's not much of a wind. It's pretty much a neutral ballpark to begin with. Um, I really don't like either side of this matchup. I don't think it, anything really screams either side pitching or hitting here tonight. When you see that there's rain earlier in the day and then the rain's going to be gone before game time, do you see that as an advantage for the pitcher, advantage for the hitter? 
It depends if, uh, not to get too meteorologically complicated, if the air masses is changing or not. If, if it stays muggy and, and warm, then that's an advantage to the battery. In this case, it's a cold front coming through, so the air is going to dry out and cool off a little bit. So in this case, it may actually be an advantage for the pitcher. Okay, very good analysis right there. We're in Cincinnati, where Sonny Gray is going to try to defend the home turf against the San Francisco Giants. Much like Cleveland, looks like we're going to be dealing with some rain there early in the day. It does look like it should get out of there for game time. But much like Cleveland, it's sort of a change in air mass. It should be cooler and drier for the game. Um, However, Great American Ballpark is a a strong hitter's park. But Sonny Gray's been looking really good this year as well. I don't know where I would go in this matchup. Where do you think? With the weather saying that, you know, comparing it to a, a pitcher's environment more or less, do you feel a pitcher like Sonny Gray, who does have a dominant strikeout pitch, that's why he racks up so many despite the ERA year after year. How many strikeouts do you think Sonny Gray will get against the Giants? Oh, I remember this. I wrote um, the monkey knife fight top bet for last week, and his over-under was five and a half. He ended up with five, and I think right around five or six is a fair number to begin with for Sonny Gray. You like the over on the monkey knife fight five and a half? Is that what it is set for tomorrow? If it's five and a half, yeah, I like the over. Yeah, I, I like the over on that as well. We are going to Miami. Welcome to Miami where... The Marlins are hosting the Braves. We are in a dome, so there really is no weather. So let's actually talk about how Miami's dome situation factors. Well, historically, Miami is one of the hardest parks to hit a homer in, and I don't see it being any different this year, even though part of it is the Marlins just don't have a lot of pop to begin with. But even when the visiting team comes in there, it limits their home runs. So I would expect the same tonight. Yeah, when you got a three, four, five of Brian Anderson, Starlin Castro, Martin Prado, sounds like, you know, a triple A all-star team at best right there. Yeah, it's nothing to get excited about there, no doubt about it. You almost have to feel for the fans of the, the Marlins, if there are any. Yeah, I mean, look, look at what Jeter's done since he's come into town. He got rid of John Carlos Stanton, Christian Yelich, Marcelo Zuna. You could build a nucleus around that that three, four, five right there, two, three, four, however you want to place that in the batting order. And not only in that, on the other side, the arms, I saw a tweet today, like Chris Paddock, I didn't realize he was a Marlins farmhand, uh, Luis Castillo. Uh, you can go even deeper down too, where the, the Marlins were loaded both offensively and defensively in the minor leagues. But unfortunately for them, the economics uh, of the game plays a role. But those were young players that weren't going to cost them a lot of money. So they just made some maybe bad decisions trade-wise too. Yeah, because nothing's really come out from that, which makes you think, oh, they got the next big superstar. No, I mean, you would. It's, it's, you hate to play the, the hindsight game, but Christian Yellick and what did they get for him? Yikes. Yeah. Let's go to Detroit where Matt Boyd, maybe one of the best storylines for the Tigers this season, is hosting the Kansas City Royals. Yeah, uh, weather-wise, it's a similar situation to what we see in Cleveland and Detroit. Um, it's going to be kind of chilly. 
uh, a light wind blowing out to right. Comerica Park is one of the few parks when they get a north wind, it actually blows out. But usually if they have a north wind early in this year, it's chilly, and that's the case there. So uh, should favor the pitcher. Matt Boyd has been looking great, as you said. His K rate is through the roof. And um, Kansas City, though, will be a challenge. Kansas City, the last I checked, doesn't strike out a lot. So kind of a, another half dozen of one six of another here. You know, you look at Detroit's ballpark and you look at Miguel Cabrera, for example, when he first got into Detroit, he was still mashing home runs, but then his home run total went down. And since then, it really seems like J.D. Martinez is the only Tiger to have big power success in that ballpark. Is that ballpark just not a home runs haven? Especially early and late in the year, it's not. I mean, I've been hearing for years how um, the line drive rate for Castellanos and his exit velocity is great, but he just doesn't, he never, has he ever hit more than 25 homers in the year? I don't think he has. I mean, the potential is there and he looks uh, like he should be a power hitter, but it's just never really turned out. So yeah, the park, it plays a role in that, especially when it's chilly like it is tonight. The Texas Rangers are hosting the Toronto Blue Jays. Mike Miners on the mound against Trent Thornton. If any ballpark besides Coors, I hear the most weather questions about it. It's it's Arlington Stadium, which next year will be gone, so I won't be hearing those questions anymore. But um, yeah, it's offensive haven, but it's generally during the summer months and when the wind is strangely enough blowing in from left. It seems to set some sort of jet stream out to right field. Tonight is not that situation. There's really not a normal wind, and there's going to be some showers and thunderstorms around. So we're going to have to watch this game carefully in terms of postponements and delays. So on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being like this is confident, it's for sure going to happen, how are you feeling about a Texas stack tomorrow against Trent Thornton? Um... Seven or eight. I mean, it's a good uh, matchup to stack against, um, but just the weather conditions aren't the greatest for uh, what Texas Park is generally. Let's go on the flip side of that game and talk about Vladimir Guerrero. Slow start. He's got a matchup against Mike Miner, a hard throwing lefty. Does Guerrero get his first home run? I think he might uh, tonight. He had the night off last night to to rest his head, uh, to to not worry about the slow start, just to relax. And generally, especially with the younger players, sometimes you see that work. Um, We obviously don't have a ton of data about how he does versus uh, righties or lefties, but I would assume as a right-handed power hitter, he's not afraid of a lefty on the mound. So I think he may get his first home run tonight. Yo, I'm surprised that the Blue Jays decided to rest Guerrero on Thursday night because his dad basically built that stadium in Anaheim and it was an opportunity to get a home run in that ballpark in his first road series going up against, I'm going to say a soft lefty and Tyler Skaggs. Sometimes that curveball's hanging in the middle of the plate. The matchup was there. I think they're over panicking and getting in Vlad's head more than Vlad's in his own head. Could be. It could be. And I, I saw that narrative used throughout the industry. Vlad's going back to where his dad had so many great years. He's down, he's bound to do have a great game. And, well, he didn't in the first two games. So 
why would it, the third game be any different? I, I don't. It's I don't like to play the narrative game like that. You more like to look at statistics and and advanced statistics. But uh, who knows, right? Who knows? We are going to Milwaukee, where these two teams and pitchers matched up this past weekend. Brandon Woodruff hosting the New York Mets and Steven Matz. Yeah, uh, Brewers Park should be closed tonight. Um, it's kind of chilly out there. You got to like the Brewer Bats at home. They're a completely different hitting team than what they are on the road. Uh, I think I, at one point, I think it was last Friday night, Yellick had 13 homers at home and no homers on the road. I know since then he's hit uh, at least one homer on the road to change that in out of those 13 at home, seven were against St. Louis. Uh, so just some amazing offensive stats at home for the Brewers. You know, a factor that I like to play when I'm playing daily fantasy baseball or even when I'm setting a lineup in season-long fantasy baseball, when a pitcher faces a team and then his next start is against that team again, I tend to believe that that team is going to hit that pitcher the second time around. It's in Milwaukee. The weather is favoring the hitters with that dome environment. Try to convince me why, why is Steven Matz going to be okay in this matchup? Or do you think Steven Matz is in trouble? I would imagine some people play the other card. The pitcher knows the batters a little bit better as well. But I tend to th think you're right because it's generally, obviously, I didn't play at a high level of baseball. But once you get to see a pitcher and you see it in, in just in-game, second or third time, yes, the pitcher's tiring, but you know their stuff a little bit. And I think that's exactly what happens here uh, with Matt's getting hit hard by the Brewers. I like it. We are going to Chicago where the White Sox are hosting the Red Sox and Chris Sale is returning to the ballpark he built yikes there's some questions there are you, are you gonna roster chris sale yikes i know the, the the price is down throughout the industry and he actually looked pretty good after the first two innings last uh time out which was sunday but wow has he been a disappointment so far and has all the, the red sox fans and new england in general holding their breath on his long-term contract weather-wise should be chilly and dry just much like detroit Cleveland and Cincinnati is. However, U.S. Cellular, is it still called U.S. Cellular in Chicago? The White Sox home park has been a home run haven. So, and I think there was some home runs hit there last night, Thursday night as well. So I don't know where to go here. Uh, Weather-wise, it says go pitchers, but the park has not been that way this year. You know, we talked last part about, you know, pitcher facing a team that he just faced. I feel when a pitcher is going up against one of his old teams, that pitcher will do whatever it takes to have a vintage game. The White Sox, they have a lot of guys that are striking out. Well, actually, historically are strikeout guys, but this year hitting the ball like they're Hall of Famers. So we'll see. We'll see about that Chris Sale matchup. I mean, I don't say he's must-start material, but he definitely can come around with eight or nine Ks. And if you look into narratives there, he had a rough last year or two in Chicago. He wanted out with the whole Edward Scissorhands cutting up the uniforms. He wasn't happy there, and he wanted out. Um, I don't remember. He must have played, faced the White Sox uh, since coming over to the Red Sox, but I don't remember how he's faced. But, yeah, there's, there's no lo love loss between a sale and the White Sox. There's no doubt about it. 
Let's keep the party going. We're in Colorado, the Mile High City, where the Rockies are hosting the Diamondbacks. We got two lefties on the mound, Tyler Anderson and Robbie Ray. Holy cow, lefty on the mound in Colorado. My gosh, you look right away for the the right-handers, the power right-handed bats of Arenado and Story for the Rockies, but I know they'll be priced sky high through the industry. Uh, Weather-wise, it's really nice. Uh, Temperatures in the mid-60s to start, falling into the 50s. Not much of a wind, but the air density is really low. The ball should carry really well. Let me ask you this, because so far this season, we have not had that Colorado Rocky home run derby shootout. Why do you think that's been to this point? Um, I have seen some statistics that even though people like to think Coors Field is weatherproof when it comes to offense, it's not. Uh, under 50 degrees, I think I saw something like that the runs per game average was like 8.3. And if it was over 80, it was something like 10.8. Uh, just those numbers aren't hard and fast. I'm just using that as an example. Weather has been chilly there, as you would expect for April, um, and it's going to start warming up. So I would expect the bats to start warming up as well. Would you say these are the best conditions you have seen in Coors Field? No, no. You, when it's middle of summer and you get an afternoon game and it's 90 degrees, that's that's the best conditions you have. I'm talking 2019 best oh, conditions. Yeah, yeah. It's right up there. Yes. Yeah, this is this is that game where the home run derby finally happens. Yeah, it, it, it can. And we just saw Arenado wake up on the road. I think he had two home runs Wednesday night and he was really missing his power stroke. So I wonder if he got it back. He hit another one on Thursday as well. Awesome. Let's close it out with the game in San Diego where the Dodgers have Clayton Kershaw coming into town against Eric Lauer. Wow. Kershaw was impressive at his last time out. I know it was against the Pirates, and I know the Pirates struggle about lefties. But Kershaw may have turned a corner and learned how to pitch without his 95-mile-per-hour fastball. Last I checked, he was only averaging 90 miles an hour on his four-seamer, but in his three starts, he's been very effective. So this is a good test against him. you got Manny Machado, Reyes, who can hit lefties. Um, the weather in San Diego... A strange factor that I've watched over the years is that runs per game are scored. It's about one run a game more at night as it compared during the day. And it's obviously a night game. I'm not sure if this is a meteorological factor or if it's just a small sample or what's going on. But runs can be scored at night. And I don't know. I, I just, maybe I would look to the Dodger side because they're red hot bats there. The Padres did score 11 runs on Thursday against Atlanta Braves, yet it seems like at home they still can only score, you know, five runs max. It's mostly between three to four runs, maybe even less. Why is it with no matter who they bring in a hitter, they still cannot be a top scoring offense? That's a wow. That's a million dollar question there. Petco Park in the late 2000s and early 2010s was the hardest park to hit in in all of baseball. They did make some adjustments and it has changed over the last seven, eight years, but it's still a pitcher's park. Um, in terms of meteorological or park factors, it, it generally never gets hot in San Diego because of its location near the ocean and it's never humid either. 
So the ball probably just doesn't carry really well. So talking about all the games now, looking back at everything, it seems like the home run, the stack potential that we got out of all this is you want to stack that Colorado-Arizona game. You know, you prefer Colorado, of course, since they're facing a much easier pitcher. It sounds like the Phillies, they have a big advantage against Hellickson with the muggy environment, as Mark put it. And then even Baltimore is a hitter's condition, but we're going to skip that because Baltimore can't hit. Maybe Tampa Bay can get some runs. But the one that stood out to me was the Texas stack against Trent Thornton. Yeah, yeah. If you just look at the combination of park factors, weather, and the opposing pitcher, yeah, that Texas stack was looking really good. All right. Well, that was whipping around the infield. Thank you, Mark. We appreciate that. And we'll be right back with this. Beast or bust, what are you going to be? Welcome back. This is Beast or Bust. We got Mark Paquette with us, and we're going to go over five players, and Mark is going to tell us rapid fire, is he a beast or is he a bust? All righty. I'm ready for it. All right. I'm like that guy that's winning all the Jeopardy contests. I'm ready. Here we go. Let's get right to it then. Number one, Domingo Santana. He's got six home runs and 30 RBIs on the season. Does he continue this pace, beast or bust? Bust. I I don't like him against Bieber. Bieber, I think he's going to keep him um, off balance, and he's not going to hit a homer. Jorge Polanco. Five home runs on the season. He's hitting a cool 327. Beast or bust? I'm going to go bust again here. James Paxson is one of the hottest pitchers in the game. I, I think he shuts him down. Tim Anderson. He's got six home runs. He's got 10 stolen bases, and he's hitting 365 on the season. Beast or bust? Here's a beast. He's going to hit a homer off Sale. Sale's fastball has only been around 94, dropping to about 90 later in the game. Anderson's going to connect against one of his fastballs. Starlin Marte, three home runs on the season, which is not bad, but only four stolen bases to go with a 213 batting average. Don't like the matchup here at PNC. Never a good place for right-handers to hit. I know that's his home park, but he's going to bust tonight. And last but not least, the man himself, Chris Sale, against his old Chicago White Sox in Chicago, beast or bust. You know, I, I hope I'm not contradictory here, but I'd like him to pitch a good game, even though Anderson may homer off him. Uh, just so he's going to pitch a good game, just not a shutout because Anderson's going to hit a solo homer. There we go. So we got a beast answer. Well, thank you for joining us, Mark Paquette. You can check out all his articles on WinDailyDFS.com. We'll be back with another episode tomorrow. Beast.